On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp Cricket Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Menzel, a.k.a. Menas. And joining me today, have I have two elite panellists. They have represented Australia 328 times combined. Unbelievable. So our first guest is former Australian all-rounder, broadcasting star, and my first ever guest on a podcast, Lisa Stalaker. How are you, Lisa? I'm good, thanks, Menas. Yourself? Very good, thanks. Very excited about today because my next guest is one of my favourite current cricketers because she is so cheeky and looks always to be having fun on the pitch. <laughs> Welcome to the show, the Australian women's team wicketkeeper, Elisa Healy. How are you, Elisa? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show again. I think we interv- I interviewed you like really early on in the show over the phone, but I've got you in studio today, so I'm really excited. Yeah, it's uh, nice to be here and nice to spend some time with Lisa. It's uh, not very often we get to do it these days because she's doesn't play golf anymore she's got a bad back but you two go back a bit though don't you You used to play together you coached elisa growing up is that right yeah the first time i actually met elisa was uh probably about 11 year old 12 year old at a a talented uh, such a little angel yeah narabeen she was a menace then and is still a menace (laughs) and how have you seen lisa's transformation from a player into a commentator yeah, well, I think it was always going to happen. She's a natural uh, natural one in front of the camera. She always loved the limelight as a player. So, um, <laughs> no, just stitching her up. But, uh, no, she's done She's done some really great things for, obviously, females in the, in the commentary department and um, just going on to bigger and better things all the time. So it's exciting to watch and, uh, yeah, you never know, I might join her one day. Excellent. In today's show, we're going to cover all the news. We're going to look at the international news, the local news. But when I was doing some research for this show, Elisa, I saw that there's a a Steely Cup played (laughs) between you and your husband, Mitchell Stark, Australian fast bowler. So it's a golf cup between you and your husband. Who's the current holder? It is. Uh, it's called the Steely Cup because it's obviously the Stark Healy Cup, and uh, I am the inaugural holder of it. We first started it last year. We have a silver claret jug that sits pride of place in our trophy cabinet above all the World Cups, uh, mind you. So it's uh, it's pretty important in our household, and I think I'm well up this year as well. So um, we'll have Jeez. to wait and see how it pans out. It is only early in the year, but. Um, yeah, it's uh, very competitive in our household and golf takes pride in place. Excellent. Is Mitch able to play golf at the moment or is he sort of out of action? Uh, no, he can. And I think I'm okay in saying that. <laughs> he's been playing anyway. So um, no, he can play golf. So he's been enjoying himself around his training. Well, I'll give you the tip, Manners. When yes. you actually play alongside with them, they start the Steely Cup there as well. So you love just getting involved in the banter and getting in each other's heads, you know. So there'll be times that I side with, with Elisa or there'll be other times I side with Mitch, probably Mitch because he needs it because he's that far behind. But uh, it's quite entertaining to watch as well on the golf course. Yeah, I bet it is. A husband and wife fighting on the golf course must be entertaining. All right, now let's get into the headlines in the cricket world. 
brought to you by the Daily Telegraph in Sydney. The Australian team is getting back into action this week in England. They've got a couple of warm-up games and then they play five one-day internationals and one T20 international against England in the UK. I sort of think this is a sneaky, important series for the team because it's a year out from the World Cup. They're rebuilding with a lot of new personnel. But I guess... With that in mind, they sort of start this series as underdogs. England are in form. A lot of our personnel are injured or banned. What what do you think? Do you think Australia sort of go in as underdogs? I I think so, given the fact that it's also off-season for us and and the players have been coming off a a leave period. I agree with you. It it is an important series. The fact that, you know, Justin Lang has just taken over. You've got your new ODI captain. You've got a new group of players getting together and wanting to take the Australian team potentially in a different direction. You're right, the World Cup is a year out. So I guess from an Australian selection point of view, they're, they're trialling a no- number of players. Uh, Nathan Lyon coming back into the ODI, ODI side, I think is really crucial. You know, I'll be very interested to see how he goes because I think he's an excellent white ball bowler. So yeah, it's going to be crucial and you know, make sure everyone kind of stays up and watch it because I think it'd actually be quite a, an entertaining series. Well, it's a good test for them first up after, obviously, what happened in South Africa and, um, I guess, facing the fire going straight over to England where the crowds are pretty brutal and uh, we'll be pretty honest with a lot of the boys. So it's, um, I think it's, it's a good... started. I saw last night from the England-Pakistan test, there was a group of English supporters dressed up as Aussie cricketers with <laughs> sort of sandpaper stuck to them. Like, We're not even playing and they've started yeah. sledging it. So how bad is it going to be for our team when they get over there? Well, I think the boys are aware that it's going to happen and I think they'll be fine obviously we had a camp up in Brisbane last weekend both teams were up there at the same time and the boys seem really excited um, about this next tour and we're really up and about in their in their training and their um, centre week at practice so I'm excited to watch it I think it's a it's a nice change for Australian cricket I guess it's not saying that anything was wrong previously but it's sort of nice to get refreshed here and there and I think it's a good opportunity for them to just go out there and play the way they want to and under a new coach and show Australia what they're made of. And it's really about turning the page on what happened in South Africa that now, well, we start to get back into cricket. Uh, you know, we've got the new leadership team. So it really is about moving forward now and not dwelling on what happened. Get on with it, I say. Yeah, the sooner that uh, this team gets out on the park and performances start to build up, that distant figure of, of the issues that happened in Cape Town will hopefully be in the distant future. Obviously, I would imagine when we come up to the Australian summer, it will be brought up again because cricket will be in the forefront of, of everyone's mind. But I think for this playing group and for Cricket Australia, this is really an important series just to put uh, uh, everything aside and just get on the park and play. I've got a few. I picked out three players from this one-day squad to keep an eye on, and I think they've got a big year ahead of them. And I'm going to let me go through them. So we've got Ashton Agar. I think he's someone that has a lot of room to grow in the white ball teams, and he's sort of moving into that second spinner role in the Test side. He's really close with Justin Langer, so now that Langer's the coach, I think we'll see Agar maybe take a step up in responsibility. How do you see his game? Yeah, I think he's a great asset to that side, obviously, being so talented with the ball, but also so handy with the bat, um, I think is really crucial to one-day cricket. But like you mentioned, some, for someone like him, to he's been nurtured under JL for, for a few years now since he his test debut all that time ago. So 
it's probably great timing for him to be in around that group. Um, and obviously JL can, can continue, I guess, nurturing him in an international environment, which is really exciting. So, yeah, I hope he does really well, and I think he will. I think he's a really talented player and hopefully can show everyone that. I hope so. I spoke to him a couple of months ago, and he seemed very mature and... I think that early test experience gave him such good grounding, you know, going that sort of high and then coming back to earth. I think he's really sort of matured. You know, he's a really um, impressive young man. I think for all players playing at the highest level when they've been selected and then dropped, they learn so much about themselves, uh, the resilience that's required to then pick yourself up and, and do the work that's needed to then get reselected. I think that that's an important lesson for all elite athletes. And obviously he went through it and he's been fighting his way back. And like you said, the white ball cricket is where he's probably really prospered. And um, you're starting to see that in not only in our domestic s- circles, but potentially now at the Australian team. My only concern is, you know, when all of our fast bowlers come back, whose spot does he take? Where's a spot for him? And that's that's the hardest thing. And you look back at Australian cricket when we were dominant for you know a decade, you had Brad Hodge and a lot of players, um, Matthew Elliott, just sitting on the sidelines scoring a truckload of runs in domestic cricket. But who are they going to take at uh, at the the Australian team? So hopefully, an Australian a strong Australian side means that he's got to really fight for his position, which is a good thing for Australian cricket. My other uh, player to pick is Alex Dreamy Eyes Carey. He's so <laughs> highly favoured. He's... Correct about his eyes. <laughs> oh, it's hard, they're hard to miss. They're like radiate the SCG when I interviewed him. But uh, it's amazing. He's the vice captain of the T20 side. He's the vice captain of the Australia A side. So they must really put a lot of faith in his ability, not just to play, but to lead. Yeah, he, he's, um, he certainly uh, has got a lot of talent. We've certainly seen that, especially in the, the shortest format, the Big Bash. Um, and he's kind of through that has been able to break into the Australian setup. You know, I can't really comment about his leadership skills. I haven't seen a lot of it, but certainly he's held in in well regard by the rest of the playing group. So you would imagine that maybe it's a marketing thing just for his uh, get his <laughs> get his mug on on billboards. Uh, well, I'd like I'd hate to think that Cricket Australia is doing that, but um, I certainly think that he's a, he's a he's a quality player and uh, he's mature enough as well, which I think is is an important um, as aspect as a leader as well. Carrying on from that, I think he's got the respect of the group already and he's only played a couple of games for Australia, which is unheard of. But um, I know that Mitch speaks really highly of him and um, he's just a good a good bloke off the field as well. Everyone, everyone loves him. So um, it's probably the perfect role for him, being that vice-captain to sort of, I guess, calm the group when need be, but um, just to be a good person around the team, which is what they need most. Yeah, so I think he's one to watch. Um, such an exciting batsman when he gets going. So Incredible cricketer. It's sort of, yeah, it's exciting to see him get a good run at international cricket. He's obviously been fairly prolific in domestic cricket, so to see him have a good crack at it, it'll be interesting. Big year for Alex Carey. And then my third player to watch is Travis Head. (laughs) There's a real opportunity with Warner out for him to nail down that opening spot in the 50-over side. Again, I spoke to him a couple of months ago, and it's sort of similar theme with Agar, thrust into the South Australian leadership at a young age, and I would say prematurely I don't know why he'd make someone that age captain but out of that he's he's had to mature he's had a very steep learning curve and and now I think he has the opportunity to build on that oh I spoke to him um throughout the summer and obviously chopping and changing one day side and coming back into big bash yeah it's quite 
a juggling act for the players to do so. So I think the fact that he's been given these leadership opportunities and obviously has been within the setup now of the one-day domestic team for a few years means that he's going to start to cement his spot and it feels like he can contribute a lot more. As all young players kind of go through, they go, am, am I good enough to be here? You know, or there's always pressure to perform because of those one or two opportunities that you get. But he's he's going to be given an opportunity throughout this series to really showcase his skills. And he's got great skills. Uh, and we, we saw Steve Smith always preferred to use him as a bowling option as well. So he's he's got all facets ticked off. Now he just needs to perform consistently at that international level. See, I feel like, I, I don't know whether I watch fairly sporadically or what it is, but I always felt like whenever Australia were in shit or were in strife, Travis had made runs or got us out of a pickle or like got us really close to to winning. So for me, it's he's like one of the first picked in my one day side. It's interesting that people sort of discuss his role in the side and whatnot. But I think he's actually done a really good job in the with the opportunities he's been given. So I'm, for mine, I'm really excited to see him get more of an opportunity and whether it, I'm guessing it's opening the batting and have a real good crack at it. He's such a, just such a gritty, mm. determined player, and that's what you want to see at the top there. Like you've obviously got so many flashy players around him but for someone to just be at the other end and and grind out 100 is is just as good to watch yeah and he's a big hitter when he gets going but i think that's a little bit um i think he never found a landing spot the selectors never said okay you're on number four or you're they kept moving him around the order yeah and it was hard for him to sort of settle on a roll but i think when they do that as you say he'll cement a spot a couple of players that didn't make the list jire richardson and marcus stoinis both in the squad over in England, I think they're going to have big years. What do you think of Jai Richardson? Uh, Alyssa, have you seen him bowl much? Yeah, rapid. Rapid. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's exciting to see a young fast bowler bowl that quickly. I think a lot of the young fast bowlers coming through almost hold back now. They're worried about injuries and, and what's going to happen. But to see a guy of his stature, he's not an overly tall kid, um, to run in there with maximum effort and bowl that quickly is really exciting. So... I can't wait to see him. Obviously, hopefully the big three quicks play as long as they can, but see him get a crack in and around there. I think he's really exciting for the future. Now, the one days against England kickoff on the 13th of June. I'm going to be speaking to Pete Lawler in the UK about the series, so stay tuned for that one. Now, the other teams that have been announced, the Australian A one-day and four-day squads have been announced, and there's a couple of omissions from this squad. Glenn Maxwell and Joe Burns have been omitted from the four-day squad, and then the leadership positions, Alex Carey's vice-captain in both teams, Travis Head is one-day international skipper, and Mitchell Marsh is the four-day skipper. Why do you think Glenn Maxwell was left out? I'll just give him a break, I think. Chatting to him in Brisbane, it seemed like they made him aware that he wasn't going. So whether it was to get a break or and what it is, he sort of had a big, just a hectic sort of 12 months here, there and everywhere, being left out of sides and then being rushed back to play here, there. So um, from my mind, I hope that's the case because knowing him, he'd want to play as much cricket as he can to put his hand up. But potentially he did just need a break, I guess. Well, I think also in the IPL with the Delhi Daredevils, he didn't perform as well as he, he would have liked or, or especially what Ricky Ponting, the head coach, would have liked him to do. And that schedule is really difficult on the players. Two months of travelling to all parts of India, um, get up, play, train, travel. It, it, and travel in India takes you a good three quarters of a day anyway so you know I think it's important that players do get that break and obviously that's the that's the leave time as well for Cricket Australia so so like Elisa I, I do hope that um, he's still seen 
as an important or an integral part of the Australian cricket all formats moving forward because he is such an entertainer um, and when he when he gets it right boy he can he can take bowlers uh, to all parts of the ground and, and I and I think sometimes to a certain extent that's what the Australian test side needed as a number six potentially you know that Adam Gilchrist kind of mo- uh, mold of a player. Well, you look at Joss Butler at the moment, mm. it's really exciting to see him score runs. Meanwhile, I didn't know that he'd played 20 tests until last night, but it's exciting to see him in that role where he's playing a, a pretty good test innings but can explode at any moment and can take the game away from the opposition. And it's really exciting to see someone in at number seven in that role. I think it's good for the game. I just uh, wonder with the vice-captaincy in the Australian test side, who's going to feel that? And they, you know they put Head in Marsh and Carey, but none of those really cemented their test spots. Maybe Mitch Marsh had. So I wonder who's going to fill that vice captaincy role in the test side uh, when we get back in action. I sort of thought someone like Nathan Lyon might be the person, and, and let these young players just <laughs> concentrate on their games. Or, you know, what do you think? For mine, I think Mitch Marsh has been tipped as a, as the next captain of Australia. So. It wouldn't surprise me if he's um, the new vice-captain of the Test team. I think Nathan Lyon, I would have thought the same thing. I think that he would have sort of been in the mix, but potentially with the 12 to 18 months that he's had, it's probably not great timing. Uh, I don't know. That could be completely talking out of school, but I'd be excited to see Mitch Marsh. I think he's done really great things at WA um, as a leader, and potentially that little bit of responsibility might help him cement that spot in the test side. I think also the fact with JL as head coach, he wants to work with people that he knows well and, and gets on well and personality-wise, and they've already had that relationship um, for, for Western Australia as well. And like Elisa said, he's been successful in that role as a young leader. My only concerns is that he's only just come back into the test mm. side and, and just started to cement his spot, and he's been in and out of the test Injuries side yeah, and... for a number, you know the last couple of years. Uh, for me personally, I wouldn't mind seeing one of the bowlers take that role. You know, I think they've played enough test cricket to understand. Yeah, and the vice-captaincy role uh, tends to be someone that gets along well with everyone, that can get a sense or a read of how the players are tracking and provide that feedback to, to the head coach and the captain and uh, obviously tactically provide some insight. But that's what everyone's job is on the field. It's not just left to the captain and the vice-captain. So... I think it's someone that you know who's who's comfortable in in their role within the test side, who who gets on well with everyone as well. That's why the vice captaincy falls so often to the wicketkeeper because they're a stayer in the side. They're more often not going to be picked unless they're performing really poorly, and they generally get along well with everyone. We're pests, like we just that's just what we and do. And you don't but... get that injured, or you play through with injuries, broken yeah. fingers. So and that's why. But now all of a sudden, our wicketkeeper is our captain. So what do you do? All the potential vice-captaincy options are in and out of tests or being dropped or injured. So it's an interesting one for them. It'll be, um, yeah, keen to see which direction they go. I think it's an important role because the vice-captain needs to sort of keep an eye on the dressing room and, you know, on tour if you see someone's, you know, getting a bit down or the opposite, someone's getting a bit too up and you need to bring him back to earth, the vice-captain can sort of do that quietly while the captain's dealing with all the responsibilities. So and you don't have to hand someone a piece of sandpaper, you know, like it's just it's a pretty easy role, I would have thought. <laughs> oh, oh, gee, she's gone in early. Gone in early. With <laughs> all right, well, it's a great segue because uh, the news today is that Steve Smith and David Warner 
and Chris Lynn have been picked to play in the Canadian T20 League. Warner and Bancroft are also going to feature in the Northern Territory Strike League in Darwin, which is great to see them back in action. But my question is, why aren't these players allowed to play in Australian domestic comps? They should be able to play in the Big Bash and the Shield. It should be an international ban only. I don't know why they're allowed to play in a T20 comp in Canada. You know, how good would it be if Smith were to play in the Sixers this summer? And it could be a reminder of why he's not playing for Australia. What do you think? Do you think that there's a I think, way off? I think the issue is that Cricket Australia charged them under their code of conduct. So that includes the domestic cricket. It wasn't ICC that gave them the, the 12-month ban. So that's, that's where the difference is. Um, if ICC imposed that type of ban, then yes, international cricket's off the table. But because it's Cricket Australia and their code of conduct... I think that's why it filters down. I mean, I, I was glad to see in reports that um, according to Western Australia Cricket Association, because of the ban, they wouldn't be allowed to play club cricket, Cam Bancroft. But Christina Matthews surveyed all of the club delegates and they decided to allow him to play. So so I think that's a good step in the right direction. Um but, yeah, that's the differences and and it's hard to kind of um, weigh in on that. But do you get what I'm saying, though? Yeah, I get what you're saying. It's such. It would have been such a great opportunity for them to give back to the game in that regard. Like, I know they've got some community service and all this other stuff that they've got to do as part of their band, but the best way to give back to cricket is to play in these local competitions, play club cricket, play shield, play uh, whatever it's called, the cup, the old Matador Cup now, so oh, the JLT, JLT series. Cup. So. That would have made fans really excited to be able to and walk it, down to North Sydney Oval and see David Warner and Steve and Smith the Big playing. Big Bash is such a family yeah. event. It would also have been a great education for young cricketers that have maybe heard what happened and you know get a different perspective on it. Yeah. Well, I, I think also, can you imagine the NT, the top end, when they have when those guys are playing? You know, it's going to be packed. Like that competition now is going to be really popular for everyone to flood in and see. Oh, I've those never stars. been more into the Canadian cricket than I am right now. I, <laughs> yeah, I didn't much. even know it existed. Oh, so I'm a big fan of. <laughs> Pretty Canadian good coaches cricket. are going over as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's turning out to be quite a good little I've seen competition. Quite a few Australians have put their names down. I don't know whether they've been picked or how that works, but yeah, I was talking to Moses Enriques today, and he said he put his name down. So there's quite a lot of Aussies wanting to go over and play, which is cool. Why wouldn't you want to go to Canada? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Not in winter, that's for sure. Uh, now, the other bit of news, uh, now this was sort of into your world now, Lisa, Damien Fleming has been scooped up by Channel 7. I heard, a good signing. I heard him say that he's looking forward to calling Test Cricket. Now, Lisa, do you want to reveal your final destination to the listeners yet? Still uh, in negotiation. Okay, you know where I know. to come, though, with the story? <laughs> I know where she's going. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. What a tease for the listeners. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Uh, but, Lisa, you were such a big part of Channel 10's Big Batch coverage. Uh, I guess there must have been an element of sadness when they lost the rights. Uh, absolutely. Um was in India at the time and, and sent messages to you know Andy Marr and Mel Jones, who obviously um, were my co-commentators in the WBBL and and then obviously saw Ricky Ponting and a few of the other guys whilst the IPL took place. And um, one thing that we all said was Channel 10 under Dave Barham created a little family. Um, certainly for Mel Jones and I, when we first got involved uh, three years ago with the WBBL, they brought us into the family and they treated us like just one of the guys. We weren't an add-on or tokenism of we've got to do the women's cricket. It was 
well, we're taking this and we're going to transform women's sport through women's cricket to another level. And I think they did that. So uh, certainly all the people behind the scenes that made it happen, all the cameramen, the the producers, executive producers, the logistic, all of those people, we all started to to gain a really tight relationship with. So it's going to be sad to to say goodbye to those those guys. And fingers crossed, you know, they get picked up by either Channel 7 or Fox and will cross paths throughout the summer. And you don't want to reveal where you're going yet? <laughs> no, still. Okay. I haven't signed anywhere. I okay. actually haven't okay. signed anywhere. All right. Well, Channel 9. <laughs> for what's that going to be rugby league coverage or something um now we often spoke about this lisa about players being mic'd up on the field now i'm against it i don't think it's great for the game uh lisa i know you've done it a lot she's done a heat. big bash i just think the big bash is such a serious tournament players should just play people should commentate people should watch but i was aghast it was taken one step further they let nasa hussein the commentator on the field with a microphone to commentate and a camera during some T20 exhibition match last week. So the commentator standing behind first slip, commentating. How bad would that be? You had a commentator behind you. I'm not going to lie, I didn't see that. But, uh, yeah, wow. Um, yeah. I thought marking up players was as far as you could get, but that is interesting. Yeah, that- he had a camera on his hat and he was commentating from I, just behind first I think slip. if it was purely an exhibition match. It was actually fully... I know it was. So this was the West Indies... Mm, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Rest of the world. Rest of the world. So I think because it had the status, I think there has to be some rules and regulations around that. Exhibition match... Jeez, you can do whatever you want, I you reckon. may as well trial it. I know that not that long ago, didn't some of the players have, like, GoPros or something on when they took some stuff out? Anyway, like, I'm all for bringing fans closer to the game. I actually think that that's – it's really cool and it's a special thing that we can – Do you like doing it? – bring to cricket. I do, actually. I feel like it makes me concentrate a little bit more. I get told that it doesn't from the outside um, and asked why I do it, but – I actually genuinely like it. From Paris, like the captain, <laughs> No, higher powers. <laughs> but I actually really enjoy doing it and it's a great opportunity for us as players to show our personality, especially as a female cricketer. We don't, we don't get that opportunity very often to sort of show our personality and show who we are apart from there's that blonde girl behind the stumps that we see three times a year on the TV. So... Um, a lot more now with this new deal. Yeah, it's fantastic, and it's a great opportunity for people to get to know us as play- as players and as people off the field. And yeah, I'm I'm more than open to anything that's going to take the game forward. Yeah, I'm just an old fuddy that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think you're outnumbered here. You need right? to talk. You two need to talk to Mitch. He's the same. Oh, good. Yeah, oh, good. Uh, two two last bit of news. Phil Jakes has been made the new New South Wales coach, and Adam Voges has been made the coach of Western Australia. Sort of the nice guys are taking over Australian cricket. Uh, Phil Jakes, uh, the little things I've heard about him, seems to be well equipped to do the job. You'd probably know more about him than I would. Yeah, well, he's done a lot of coaching in the last sort of what, five or six years since he stopped playing. So more than well enough equipped to do the job. And uh, I know that the boys only started today, I think, at preseason, and he's already started off with a bang. So, yeah, looking forward to that. And Adam Voge is obviously one of the nicest guys in cricket and to take over, take over from JL is obviously a big task, but similar sort of personality. He's a really caring guy. so Very um, thoughtful, Adam Burgess. Yeah. Very thoughtful. I think measured. it's a, a great fit for that group after what they've just had for the last sort of four or five years. 
having played, you know, with Phil Jakes, we actually toured for a CHS um, <laughs> sides to UK. He was captain of the, 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 the boys' side and I was the captain of uh, the women's side. So we've kind of followed each other's career back and forth. But when he moved to, to Queensland and was a head coach there, you know, I think he brought through an, a number of young batsmen especially. Um, so certainly you can see also with the selection that uh, Cricket New South Wales has done with their squad that they're looking to bring on, you know, the next crop of players that they feel are going to represent Australia and I think for um, I think Jakes he certainly will will do a great job in that and Adam Voges I mean Chris Matthews runs a pretty tight ship over there so she wouldn't allow anyone just to take over that that role if she didn't think um, he was uh, good enough so you're right I think good guys are, are winning in the end. Now we're going to take a quick break uh, but before the break Elisa did you know that there are three married couples to play test cricket? I've so, heard that, but I don't know who they are. So the first one is an English couple called the Pridos, Roger and Ruth, and that was in the 50s. Lovely. And then there's a Sri Lankan couple, the De Alwis couple, Guy and Razin Charlie in the 1980s and 90s, and now you're Mitch, so the, the third couple. Oh, How good's that? And That's so sweet. I so bet, sweet. I don't know if you saw this, but... When she ha- did, because I sent it to her. When Harry and Megan got married, the <laughs> yeah, ICC I tweeted that. <laughs> that Cricket already had its own royal wedding, referring to you and Mitch. But you had a bit of a laugh about that one. We did. Uh, I was copying some stick, actually, from the ladies at the golf club about they were losing their shit over the royal wedding. And I said, <laughs> text it to them and said, God, what are you on about? We've already had ours. So I had a bit of a laugh with it, but... Uh, yeah, funny. Thanks, ICC. <laughs> All right, listeners, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, before we take a break, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the podcast. You can check out my new website, andrewmensel.com. That's got links to my Twitter, my podcast, my articles, and everything there. And we'll be back in a moment with the rest of the podcast. Welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp cricket podcast. I'm here with Lisa Stalaker and Elisa Healy and a lot to talk about in the international world. Uh, First thing, I guess, I don't know if you heard, but Stuart Broad called Michael Vaughan up after he gave him a a bit of a serve and um, Broad wasn't happy with what Vaughan had said about Broad saying he should be dropped and Elisa, have you ever called Lisa and given her the hairdryer about what she said about you in the commentary box? No, I don't know if I have. Ever called anyone and just said, what were you saying? No, not really. Um, I'd imagine there's a lot of smack talk behind my back, um, so I'd just <laughs> cop it on the chin and move on. But uh, no, that is an interesting one, I think. Um, the Poms are, well, actually, well, the Aussies are a bit like that too. The Poms that as soon as they're going poorly, geez, the media and the ex-players jump all over it, and it's remarkable, and I guess... To say that one of those two or both of those two should be dropped um, is, well, not too far from the truth, but at the same time, they're still taking all the wickets for him, so what are they going to do otherwise? But, um, yeah, it's it's funny, but it's funny get, to watch as an Aussie. Upset? Do you ever hear stuff that's written or said about you and get upset about it? Um, oh, a little bit. I've, I'm lucky enough to be a female in a very male sport, so and there's not a lot written about us, which is handy, but I guess as we slowly transition into professional cricket, there'll be more and more said about it. I guess as a player, you got to shelter yourself from that as much as you can. Like, I'm all over social media. I absolutely love it. Um, but it can bite you in the ass pretty quickly. So if you can limit the damage in that sense and limit what people are, what you're seeing about what people are saying about you, I think the better and just go and go about what you're doing. Lisa, have you had anyone ever come up to you and say, I can't believe you said that about me or? Uh, 
Lisa's no. most controversial thing was when she picked her Big Bash Eleven last year and <laughs> oh, yeah, left that was out a, bit... a few people and whoa. Yeah, that 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 kind of got social media a bit excited. No, not really. I think I think it's as commentators, if you're able to justify what you've said and back it up with numbers or reasons why the reason why you're employed is to give your opinion. <laughs> so you've got to give it. Um, you can't just sit on the fence in that role. Um, but I think how you articulate it uh, and if you're scrutinising a performance, so if I was, if if Elisa got out a silly way, I wouldn't say, well, that was the dumbest shot I've ever seen. Every damn time. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'll say, well, I'm sure if Elisa was to look at that footage, she'd be disappointed with how she got out. So there's ways that you can go about it. But you find that there are some commentators, and Michael Vaughan is one that really does express his um, opinions. And, and sometimes they're a little bit left field and sometimes they aren't what everyone wants to hear. But at the end of the day, they do want they do hear those things and, and people jump on it as well, hence why we're talking about it in a podcast. Well, I, think, I think as well as a player, if you're getting really defensive about it, deep down you know that it, a little bit of that is true. Mm. I think if, if it's not true, you'll rubbish it and it won't bother you one bit. But if it actually bothers you, then deep down that, you know that it's a little bit true. So it's an interesting one. Struck a chord. Yeah, you know that you might be struggling with that and then... I think you take a big risk as a player though, like Broad, when you call up the person and... I guess it depends on the relationship you have. Yeah, but it's going to get out and once it gets out, it escalates the story and then, you know, lucky England won that test match against Pakistan because if... You know, Broad had bowled badly, England lose, then he looks he walks away with egg on his face. So Well I think he's a bit of that personality though. He's a big game player and he, I guess that something like that would have actually spurred him on by calling him out. But yeah, there's different personalities in cricket if you do it and then don't perform, then you're in strife. You're but, big trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you both moving on to the the women's IPL exhibition match that was played. Lisa, you were playing on one side. Lisa was commentating, so I'm not going to get a better perspective. I guess, how was it received by the Indian public? Uh, Well, I actually haven't seen any numbers, any figures for how it was viewed. But um, obviously playing it at 2pm on a Tuesday in Mumbai is not the best promotion uh, when nobody, it's 45 degrees and nobody wants to be there and um, they're all working. So in that regard, it was probably disappointing to see not many people sitting in the crowd but I from what I have heard it was pretty well watched around India and around the world it was obviously shown here and in New Zealand Mm. um, in England so from my from a playing point of view it was really exciting Um, I don't tend to have a lot to do with the Indian players generally so for me to get over there and be put in out of my comfort zone a little bit was um, really exciting for me and to get to know a couple of international players from around the world is is something that He's coming more and more into cricket, but you don't get to do it very often. So, yeah, great fun from my point of view, and hopefully something exciting comes from it. 45 degrees. Must have been hot in the middle. It was so hot. <laughs> I think, and also Mumbai at end of May time, for those that do know, it, the humidity is like oh. 75 80%. So you literally walk out. I was interviewing Elise Perry going, you're looking forward to the heat. Meanwhile, I'm dripping with sweat, and I haven't, I haven't run anywhere. I've just walked to where I need to interview her. So... Yeah, the conditions weren't ideal for the players to play under and the fact that a lot of the international players flew in, I think, what, two days prior, you're putting the players under probably extreme conditions. But as female players, they suck it up and they do it and they do it with a smile on their face because they know how big an opportunity that women's exhibition match was. You know, I think IPL committee and BCCI were certainly very pleased with it. It all kind of came together really late in the piece, only a couple of weeks. So for them to throw throw that match 
in a short amount of time uh, just shows what they're capable of and and the fact that there is an appetite for women's game moving forward whether whether next year it becomes an eight team IPL side I, I highly doubt that I don't think there's um the amount of domestic players in in India that could partake in that what's the social dynamic in India with getting a women's IPL off the ground I've never been to India so talking to someone that doesn't have any idea about it. what are the social challenges I think it's certainly changed over time probably when when I first started my career you know women's cricket in India wasn't really seen as anything great you know women belonged uh, in the house with the husband and the kids and and looking after the, the you know the household duties so there were a lot of people thinking, why Why do we need to invest in money when really at the end of the day, they're not going to be in the sport for a long period of time because they're going to get married. Whereas now, and, and especially after India made the final of the World Cup last year, when they returned home, even though they lost, the support they received was astounding. And now they're stars in their own right. Um, Mitali Raj, Harmanpreet Kaur, Julian Goswami. Um, I think they've got biopics coming out. On, on them and, and they're being asked to attend and be on panels regularly. So the stature of women's cricket in India has certainly risen another huge level. So we're, we're not that far away off, I don't think. Well, just in general, there seems to be a big sort of women's movement over in India. I think being over there, touring there uh, in March, April this year, we got the opportunity to visit a sort of a women's shelter in Baroda where we were playing and just listening to some of the ladies talk about this women's movement that's happening there at the moment and them challenging how they've been treated and how they want to be treated now and uh, being their own sort of person is really exciting and they've obviously been a little bit behind us culturally um, in that regard but it's exciting and yeah going over there and seeing you know the Smriti Mandana and the Harmanpreet Kaur they're rock stars over there which is really exciting it's something that we don't experience here so to sort of ride on their coattails over there is um, something really special and hopefully that this new generation of Indian female cricketers coming through um, will bring the game forward, no doubt. Oh, it sounds like it was a very worthwhile match then. It was great fun. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, I was glad just to see a few of my mates who I hadn't seen for <laughs> about two months. I'd just come off four, week, four weeks off and I... Well, we have six weeks leave a year and I was so looking forward to not having to pick up a cricket bat for six weeks and then come back for pre-season and then all of a sudden I'm told a couple of days out that I'm flying to India. So I'd literally had two hits before that game, so it was uh, it was interesting, but uh, it was good fun nonetheless. <laughs> well, it came down to the last ball. Yeah, so well scripted. Want. Well scripted. All right, now Interestingly. Move... What? Interestingly. I wouldn't say well those scripted, words given yeah. what the next topic might be. <laughs> what, the IPL? No. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's well talking about you're talking about the Al Jazeera yes, documentary. <laughs> I guess I was what what do you think of that because I think that the international stuff in the allegations made I I don't put much credence on it that the you know players in the Aussie team were fixing a session but if you look at the smaller T20 leagues or a groundsman in Sri Lanka you know when you're offering someone seven times their annual wage to essentially just give information because when Australia go to Sri Lanka, they're going to prepare a spinning deck whether a bookmaker asks you or, <laughs> or not. So it's just sort of confirming that. I can sort of see some – there might be something to that. Yeah, but you know what the funniest part about that test match is? That Mitch, a fast bowler, took more wickets than Rangana Herath. So there's some merit to what they're saying, but 
when they, they've come out and said that, oh, Rangan Harith took the most wickets in the match. He didn't. A fast bowler did. So it's interesting. Um, well, Mitch but, had an unbelievable series, yeah. even though we lost 3-0. Well, maybe the the spiky um, broom or whatever they used roughed thing. up the ball for him. Who knows, actually? Now I've thought about it, uh-oh. Yeah. But um, as a player, I can't... <laughs> I can't imagine how hard it would be to fix a session of cricket. Like, that would be so unbelievably hard. Well, and and a lot of the time, I, I can't remember the term they use for the last over before the end of a session. Uh, Manda? Manda, where it's two runs or less. If you go over the history... How do you control that? No, 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 but you, at the, you think of a test match yeah. before a tea or lunch... You don't want to get out. What do you do? You block or you leave. So, of course, it's going to be less than two runs, And you're really. probably going to schnick one and it might go for four. So, you, yeah, I, I can't, as a player, I especially as an Australian player, um, obviously the men are, are pretty well paid. I cannot see one of them partaking in anything like that. But I agree with you, men, as I think, and, and certainly ICC is well aware of the fact a lot of these T20 competitions, you look at some of the associate countries, they're not really paid at all, but yet... You know, they're expected to train full-time and play full-time. And the game's international Correct. status. Correct. Yeah, so I think... on them. Yeah, so I think, you know, they're the concerns for ICC. And I know that they're going about it the right way. Anytime there's an ICC event, all players have to sit through educational sessions where they're spoken about, you know, these honey traps, um, people potentially talking to them or asking for information of sides or things like that. And it has started to happen in the women's game through Twitter. People are asking players, you know if you're going to be playing or what's what's the 11 going to be like. And, and all those players have, have informed the appropriate authorities for that. So in women's cricket is certainly a concern as well because the pay level obviously is completely different to the men's game, but all authorities are aware of it. And education is the biggest thing, um, and that's what ICC and the national boards are trying to do. Yeah, I think it's just you got to sort of find a middle ground. It's it's you can't just stick your head in the sand and say it's not happening. Correct. But you've you've also got to question all the allegations. Definitely. All right. Now let's move on to the IPL quickly. It was won by the Chennai Super Kings, who beat the Sunrisers Hyderabad in the final. The man of the match, Shane Watson from Australia, with his second ton of the tournament, scored 117 not out of 57. I was in my favourite pizza place last Friday night and I saw Watto there walking out with six pizzas. So I'm guessing the pizza in India is not that great. <laughs> no, the pizza's pretty good. It's always it got actually, a little bit yeah. of chilli added to it. So, How good was he though? That was uh, We didn't watch it live. I watched the, the replay the next day. But I watched unbelievable. it Unbelievable. You were there, you were weren't there. you? No, I wasn't. I was home. You were up at three in the morning? Yeah, but jet lag snuff. gets you. Absolute cricket snuff over here. But... Um, <laughs> How good. Like uh, I took back, I said uh, we had a conference call two weeks ago and I was talking about current players and what I was on the call and I said, sorry, what do I mean current players? And geez, I had to bite my tongue after that because to come out there and be none off 10 balls and then make 117 off 57 is something unbelievable. And um, yeah, good on him. I think he was probably the one of the Aussies that really stood out in the IPL. We didn't have too many that put their hand up for a mm. change. Um so Andrew yeah. Ty did really well, took 24 mm. wickets. But, yep. Lisa, you were over there. Maybe I thought the Aussies really struggled. So you had Lynn, who did pretty well. Watto did very well. Ben Cutting did okay for Mumbai. Then you had Andrew Ty. And then it just seemed like all of our players really struggled. Maxwell, Finch, Short. They just could not dominate like we have in years past. Can you find a reason? I think obviously this year for IPL was the biggest auction from 
you know, mm. a few years ago. So there were a lot of player movement. So it took certain sides a while to kind of settle in um, and it took a while for them to figure out who are their best fire, you know, international players, where do they, where do they slot in. Um, so there was a lot of chopping and changing and the whole IPL at the start, there were certain teams that just ran away. So Kings 11, Punjab, I think they won, you know, six out of their first seven games and then they didn't win a game after that. It was jumping around the ladder regularly. So Teams and coaches and owners were regularly changing their side. Also, I think there was a, a bigger influx of English players, uh, obviously the ECB allowing more English players. So they kind of slotted in and, and probably f- performed better. Um, God, I have to edit that out. Yeah, I'm sorry, but they, they thinking, did. Did they? Ben Stokes <laughs> was a bit did. of a dud. Ben okay, Stokes Ben Stokes didn't perform very terrible. well. I'd like to Biggest be paid $2.5 million to go over and sit on the bench for four weeks. No, no, he didn't sit on the bench. He, he just, did at the end. Well, he kind of got out early, so maybe he was sitting on the bench. <laughs> he sit on the pine for eight weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good. But, um, you know, I think for us, you know, Darcy Short really struggled. So there were certain players that struggled in the conditions. and Finch. I mean, Finch, where he got married and he got so, what? That's two, an interesting two, one. three golden ducks. There was the what the wedding season. So we had just before uh, Usman Khawaj's wedding and Aaron Finch's. Alyssa, did you go to any no. weddings? Interesting. That's awkward. Oh, <laughs> awkward. But, you know, a lot of the players flew into India just before their first yeah. game. And I don't think that helped. And then funny. you get off to a bad start and all of a sudden the pressure's on you. you got the owner looking at you going, well, you just rocked up here, buddy. Perform. It's, it's funny because I've always thought in the past, like, blokes get married and they perform really well for, like, the first little bit after marriage. But, yeah, those, t- um, well, those two that won. Aaron Finch <laughs> the exception to the rule. Quite interesting. But, yeah, it's not easy, obviously, having your mind on something else for so long and then the stress of it all, even though he's a bloke and probably didn't have to worry. Um, but then to fly in and play cricket like that, is really hard, so I, I do feel for them in that regard. I think you're going to start to see, especially with the amount of money that's being poured out to the players, that there, there'll be a, a time where some players will actually choose to fly in an extra two, three weeks before the IPL to prepare correctly, like a normal international mm. tour. But because the calendar is so jam-packed, it's it's literally finishing so something hard, off and, yeah. and off you go. But as the money keeps increasing, you might see a, a shift in certain players' level um, yeah, Especially the players level say, of like commitment. Ben Cutting who aren't playing uh, first-class cricket, have a bit more time. They might go over a bit early and get acclimatised. But it was a good tournament. I loved having the IPL on Foxtel, you know, recording the games and watching them the next day and stuff. I get in trouble at home when it's on the TV, but um, I thoroughly enjoy it. If there's nothing else on, there's nothing better to watch than cricket. So yeah. just what, having Mitch it on in like the background. The cricket on or? He secretly does, but he gets angry at me when I put it on. So I don't really know how to win in that situation, so I just watch it. But <laughs> Sounds like two TVs are needed. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Funnily enough, he'll just sit there and watch it anyway because he does enjoy watching it. But, uh, yeah, it was great to have it on TV. I think, yeah, great for everyone to, I guess, experience the IPL no matter where you are. Mm. I think I think for me, having been involved now for four years, I used to always come home and go, oh, can you believe blah, 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 this happened, this happened, and everyone's like, nah, IPL mm. hasn't even registered with them. But because it was with Fox, and obviously the, the double headers, like the four, 4 o'clock game was perfect time here, I think it was 8.30pm, mm. prime time here, meant that people got to see realistically the best players in the world playing against each other. And to hear Lisa, more importantly. Oh, bless. Exactly. She's actually my manager. <laughs> 
Um, all right. Well, 30%. <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap up the podcast. But, Elisa, I know the big year for the Australian women's cricket team, what, the Massive. T- T20 World Cup at the mm. end of the year. Is that sort of the big focus or at the moment? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we've got two World Cups in 18 months, two T20 World Cups. So, uh, massive sort of two years for us. So what? There's one in at the end of this year. Where is it? One in November in the West Indies, and then and then one at the very straight after WBBL in 2020 here at home. So um, then we've got an Ashes series in between. So massive two years for us. Something I'm I'm really looking forward to. I'm going to enjoy getting flogged for the next three months in pre-season in preparation, but I know that'll put me in good stead to hopefully play as many games as possible. But yeah, keep an eye out for our games. I think you'll see more and more on TV, which is really exciting, and um, you'll unfortunately hear me a little bit more behind the stumps. You might have, well, you must have been really happy though with your form with the bat this year. A couple of big tons, I think your first century at the top level, and yeah. then followed up with another one, so... Uh, yeah. Is that something you're sort of looking, obviously, to get those starts into big scores? Is that something you're working on? Yeah, consistency is something that I crave in both international and domestic cricket. But um, for me, last season was, looking back on it, it was probably one of my better ones. Um, I was pretty had a lean start to the big bash, but thankfully sort of pulled it out when it, when it was needed and when it counted. And um, that led on into India and the international cricket that we played. And I got some great opportunities to open the batting and... But where I really want to bat and and made made use of it where I could, so Top yeah, it was really exciting. And hopefully, the next two years can yeah, I guess continue improving my cricket and and to be successful as well. Excellent. Well, Lisa, you won't be improving your game. It's well and truly finished. Just golf game. Just golf game, exactly. The last thing is AB De Villiers is retired and. Do you guys have any idea how we can get him to play for the Sixers next summer? Do you know anyone? Do you have any connections? Can you get through to ABDV and get him in pink next Surely summer? Surely he's playing Big Bash. You remember South everyone Africa, would have, everyone South have... Africa wore pink for a while. He looked great in pink. How good would he look? Well, it's magenta, <laughs> actually. With Jodie Hawkins would... Hello, in, Jody. in fairness, the Sixers <laughs> are probably... I don't want to put it out there and jinx it but they are probably the only ones that could get AB de Villiers sort of cash wise I know that they've done a bit of a clean out um of the Sixers men so yeah Jody Hawkins in the role could be a first big coup big coup can you imagine Um, that so star uh, there's a lot of connections so um I reckon yeah I reckon they're in with a shot so uh, how good would that be it'd be amazing oh so good I'd love to see him play up close mm. if he's playing for the Sixers I'll, you'll see me following him around like a puppy dog just learning <laughs> from him whenever possible so and, and he'll beat you on the golf course too yeah <laughs> tennis tennis well, court everything everything he's so yeah, good he's at everything yeah well, I guess we should leave it there. Listeners, thanks so much for downloading the show. I Last night, it was like when I was young and I couldn't sleep the day before Santa. I was so excited to record with Lisa <laughs> and Elisa. So thanks, both of you, for coming. Hope a lot we didn't of fun. let you down. What? Hope we didn't let you down. Oh, not at all. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, listeners, and we'll be back next week with another show. Bit of music. Lisahealy.com. <laughs> I don't have a website. Don't, don't plug one. that. You don't need one. <coughs> yeah, you don't need one. Sorry, minutes no. go.